0: if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I wanna slow things way down for a totally different experience, When I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals, and when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Omic from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience so a softer quieter toy is incredibly appreciated i make sure to take deep breaths as i let the pleasure and sensation build breathing it throughout my body and when the time is just right i pick up the speed of the rotation and i ride a full body wave of ecstasy this is one of many acts of devotion i choose to regularly deliver to myself and it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high quality, beginner friendly, super cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Omic oh from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Um, Thank you so much for having what is sure to be a very juicy conversation for all of my listeners, my community, my audience. It is so good to have you back in an interview capacity so that I, uh, just a humble lady in the world looking to learn to serve. (laughs) Thank you for joining me on the show. For having me. Oh, so I would love, you know, I've been, I've been bringing people onto the show that I consider experts in their field. I've been bringing professional tantricas and the person who owns the lube company and the person who owns the sex toy company and all these pros. But I've also been bringing in some of my incredible friends and even some of my family to have conversations about their story and how they've gotten to where they are now, especially people that I admire. Like if they have a really great relationship or really amazing dynamic then I want to have a convo with them, real people. And part of what I've been asking all the experts that have come on is outside of your expertise, what led you into this path to begin with? So that my listeners and my audience can get a feel for, you know, instead of jumping right into like, what are the fundamentals of BDSM? Like, how did you become you? What did that journey look like?
1: Um, It's very simple. Actually, I came in as a student. I came in to improve my own intimate relationship, to add uh, more dimension to my own sensual life in a long-term primary relationship. So started off as a student, started off taking classes in sensuality, in Tantra, in BDSM. Started off pretty much the same way that probably any of your listeners when they take a class start out. Nothing, there was no design, like I'm gonna teach this stuff or anything, anything crazy like that. I was like any other student where even Taking the first classes in any of these subjects was a big step. It's not the kind of thing I would have done in the past before I did it. So there was like, no, this is not all planned or anything. It was merely out of a desire to address the challenges that I'm sure all long-term couples run into, which is how to keep the sensual life alive and what else is there and what Else are the mysteries of Eros that maybe we haven't learned and maybe other people have discovered them. So let's go ask them.
0: So good. But was mm-hmm. there anything in particular that was happening in your life that you're like, you know what? I'm going to go learn sensuality.
1: Very much along the lines of many other couples seek. I've been with the same woman right now, I think 31 years. I'm starting to lose count. I'm 50 years old now. We met when I was 19, sophomore year of college. So We've been through many ups and downs in relationships, so trying to learn man-woman relating better so we can do that area better was something that I uh, kind of also learned and uh, engaged with. Like, let's learn to do the man-woman thing better. Let's mm. not have the same fights. Let's not keep making the same mistakes. Let's see if we can uh, be nicer to each other and make this whole, whole thing more functional. And along with that was, let's see what we can bring to our sensual life, because in long-term relationships, the sensuality does tend to taper down. So it was completely self-interested, selfish, just I need to improve my own life, my own relationship. And uh, let's go see what the books are saying and what these people, crazy people offering classes in these subjects are doing.
0: Mm, I love that. I want to put that on a meme. Learn to do this man, woman thing better, yeah. you know, because <laughs> it is pretty, it's as simple as that. Like I, I feel the same way in my relationship I'm like, yeah. I just want to learn how to do this even better than yesterday and the day before yeah. and the day before that. And if I just keep on moving this train along, then, you know, I get to experience new levels and depths of myself. And I think my partner gets to do that too. And then we get to do the man, woman thing better yeah. in all of the categories. So I'm curious, as you continued to lean into learning more of these uh, tools, methodologies, modalities, as you were going, was there any couple of things that stuck out in particular that were like, oh, that was a game changer?
1: I think many of the teachers I found, many of the schools of teachings I found were a game changer. It turns out Once you start seeking answers, you realize there are obviously other people who have tackled these same questions and believe it or not, they have found answers. Uh, We kind of, I think when we, we do have a tendency to get into a very frustrated zone, especially with these topics. I know I was there at one point and I can kind of feel when newcomers come into a class or even a coaching session, there is a feeling of resignation as if, These problems are unsolvable. Mm -hmm. Like nobody has ever made any kind of improvement on the man woman game. I'm like, you know what? That's actually not true. There have been brilliant people, brilliant minds, there have been brilliant therapists, there have been brilliant explorers, writers who have actually, they may not have completely cracked the game. These games are not completely crackable, but they certainly have made many wonderful discoveries. They have found ways to make relationships more functional. And certainly in the erotic realm, there is, there's oodles and oodles of knowledge out there that is reliable, that is solid, that is field tested, right. that you can learn. And when that shift happens, um, you realize this is an area that you can approach with the ambition, with the model of mastery that there is in fact a lot that you can learn, there's a lot of improvement that you can make and you actually can start a journey towards mastery, that this is not an area where no one's ever solved any problem. So whether it be in sensuality or whether it be in man-woman relating, whether it be the angle of BDSM or simply learning uh, sensual play to do sensual play more consciously and with more skill and more imagination. So I okay. think many of the schools I've tried have opened doors for me, multiple doors in different, different areas.
0: When you were on this journey and on this path, learning more things, and things started to take maybe what some from the outside looking in would say is a darker turn. Yeah. Do you have any kind of preconceived notions or any let's like say shit that came up, judgments, like what is going on? Did yeah, anything come very up for you? Much so.
1: A lot. Absolutely a lot. The journey into BDSM was it it had that troubling aspect in the beginning that our erotic makeup actually is constituted in this way. And, you know, quite frankly, this is the funny part between the way things are projected to a man like me or to women. You women are the troublemakers. Yeah, you women are the real troublemaker. The feminine eros is very troubling. And the bigger discoveries have actually not been about, oh, I have all these dark things I want to explore. No, not really. I want to get my woman off. And the deeper I go into her psyche, I realize, holy crap, she is capable of getting off in places I would never have thought possible till five minutes ago. (laughs) What's this about? The mystery is the darker discoveries are mainly about the feminine psyche. And then in reflection to that, Uh, making the discovery. I can go there. I can take her there. But for me, and I think this is the case for vast majority of people who practice BDSM, especially those who discover they are naturally dominant. they They respond to the system of the submissive. And it is discovering what the woman, what the submissive is capable of getting off on that pretty much is the driving force of this investigation, because the goal ultimately is better get off especially coming from the dominant to the submissive or from the masculine to the feminine, men want to get their women off. toms want to get their submissives off. So where the submissive is getting off or the woman is getting off is where the creative kernel is that you want to explore. So everything that freaks people out, those discoveries are laying down on the fertile ground of the feminine psyche. It isn't men sitting around having fantasies about crazy, violent sex. It's you women sitting around having fantasies about crazy, violent sex. And men show up and say, I want to be a good lover. I want to be an effective lover. I want to give my woman the kind of pleasure that uh, makes me feel masterful in bed, in sex, as a man. And if I'm going to do that, I better get in sync with her erotic template. I better learn to play her system.
0: Speaking of the system, you said that want to move her system. For someone who's never heard that language, which I've been in, I've been a student many times yeah. with you as a teacher. So I have an idea of what that means. But for those of my listeners that are like, move what system?
1: As simple as you want to take your woman into arousal, do you not? Mm-hmm. You want to be when you are in your intimate space, your love making, your sex. You want to see that what you're doing to her is taking her out of control, is making her moan and groan, is taking her into an altered state, is taking her into a highly aroused state. I'm talking about just that. Doesn't have to be anything, uh, anything stranger than that. You do want to take your partner into a pleasurable state and you want to feel you are the one taking her there. You are controlling her system. You are moving her system and she is responding to you. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> yeah.
1: it's, it's, that's the only game we are playing here. Only we are finding uh, different modalities, different pathways for creating those positive responses, for creating that arousal, for creating that satisfaction.
0: So you said something a little while ago um, to the effect of. It's not men who are sitting around having all these fantasies about these crazy violent sexual experiences it's women that are having these crazy sexual fantasies that invoke violence and all of that and it's really interesting because uh i have been in lots of conversations many many conversations where women are saying for the first time that they have fantasized about something like that they feel shameful about because it did involve violence but like in their fantasy it is a consensual type of violence it is very complicated psychological thing that's going on there where they're like consenting, but they're not. And all of that. And what would you say to people? Because I've also had many conversations with people who are steadfast. Like they say with so much conviction that BDSM and these like kind of kinky sexual activities are for perverted people or they're for people who are demented or for people who have experienced trauma already. And they're just re-traumatizing themselves. They're just adamant that there can be no good that can come of this. And I'm curious, give you a little space, what would you say to those people?
1: Uh, I mean, I I actually try not to proselytize people too much. If people are that convinced right. that exploring this realm is not for them, I'm like, live and let live. I don't really care.
0: Right. So let's say they're one, they're several degrees away from that. And it's maybe they've, that's all they've ever heard. And so they have a hard time, but they're curious.
1: So, you know, I don't it's I don't think it's particularly fruitful to have like a conversation about ideology or even from a psychological perspective. Like we are a bunch of coat wearing intellectuals sitting and talking about BDSM. My suggestion would be dig into your own desires, dig into your own get off. You are the experiment. You are the subject. So don't talk to me about this and that and those people and those people over there. What the hell do you care about those people over there? Let's talk about you. If you are a man, let's talk about you. And if you're a man, bring me your woman and let me talk to her. <laughs> talk to your woman. Talk to her desires. Talk to your woman and ask them how is it that women bought this Fifty Shades book 140 million times over or some ridiculous number. Why did women read this book? Why do women read bodice rippers that are invariably filled with rape scenes and rape fantasies? Why are women interested in seemingly ridiculous archetypes like vampires and pirates and billionaires and surgeons, all out of that very interesting book, A Billion Naughty Thoughts, written by Google engineers on what women search on the internet for pornography? Why are women drawn to these archetypes? If you actually are honest, if you actually even want to put on that white lab coat and, and figure out what's going on here, go do your research. Go read uh, My Secret Garden by Nancy Friday. You know that book, right? About mm-hmm. sexual fantasies she wrote. Go read yes. women's fantasies written by women <laughs> anonymously and send in. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't argue with me. Go argue with the feminine psyche. I'm not presenting anything new here. If you actually want to go do your research, the research will mess you up. The research out there is far more disturbing than any chargey thing I can tell you on a podcast. Women's eros is highly troubling to people. Go investigate it in any way you can. Go read the books that have been written by people with PhDs behind their name. Go read The Erotic Mind by Jack Moran, PhD, MD, whatever else. Go read the... Uh, There's so many wonderful books that uh, have come out in recent years and in decades past, go explore the feminine erotic uh, template. And uh, yeah, don't argue with me, go argue with the feminine psyche.
0: And this is why I like having you on my shows. This is why I really enjoy interviewing you and I have to prepare myself sometimes because you will give the answer that pretty much no other person I'm in conversation with will give me to certain things. Like, You know, I could have asked another dom or somebody else, you know, what would you say to those people? And they would go right into this whole, um, this pretend conversation of what they would say to that person. And you're like, you go see it for yourself. Like, I'm not going to tell you
1: those people are tedious. I don't want to deal with those tedious. Exactly. Very interesting to talk to.
0: Right. And we have other shit to do. Like people who are actually curious and wanting to ultimately. what I'm
1: doing when those people show up in my field is they're basically saying, handle my shadow. And I'm like, no, fuck no. Can I curse on your show? I don't know. Yes, please. Okay. I
0: mean, yes.
1: Like, screw you. No, I'm not. <laughs> because go, you go deal with your own shadow. You unpack your own shadow. So you, may, you may present yourself like you're having an argument with me. But all I see on my end is somebody who's deeply in shadow about their own eros, And they are in their defensive mode. And I am being asked to handle that. I'm like, you got to pay me a lot of money to crack open your shadow for you. And even then, I'm not really going to do it. I don't, I don't do people's work for them. But if you're truly interested in investigating, go investigate. You obviously have not investigated. That's the only way you can come up with the stance and say anyone who does any of that is damaged. If that is the case, then the 150 million women who bought Fifty Shades of Grey are damaged people. Are you willing to make that statement? Are you willing to stand by that? Then every woman who reads every piece of erotica that has rape in it, is damaged goods. Then every woman who has read Fifty Shades of Grey are much better books is damaged goods. Because if only damaged psyches are drawn to this kind of thing, we have a lot of damaged women out there. So go deal with that. Why are you coming to me?
0: <laughs> right, because there's uh, even more people in the population that don't think it's damaged that have a lot of fun with it. You know?
1: and I think that's the bulk of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, <sighs> I love this topic. I love this combo. I was actually the guest um on a podcast yesterday and I started talking about my first experience with DS and how I didn't I didn't really have any, I don't want to say judgments. I hadn't really thought about it much. I knew that it existed, but I also just hadn't experienced anything. I thought it was like this kind of dark, like thing that was just way far away and that I'd never I'd never really have to consider it until I was with someone that put together scenes in such a way that were so gently like leading me into something. And then I would be wide open and I would leave these situations or these scenes. And and I didn't have this language for it at the time, but I would leave like, how did I not know I was into that? How did I not know this about myself? How did I not know that my orgasm could be like that? How It was just very confronting about my identity. No. And I would leave with this deep, deep relaxation in my body that meditation can never touch. Like, I mean, where I am in my meditation practice, I don't even come near what I had experienced in some of those really beautiful scenes, which I call them beautiful because they felt really beautiful. But if somebody were watching, they'd be like, what the fuck? If they had no idea and wasn't provided any context, what the fuck is going on? You know, and then, after I remember like I, I remember having some pretty um and confronting conversations just within myself going like i've I've never felt happier inside of my body, like I've never yeah. felt like more connected to who I really, truly am. it was through some of those experiences, and it was only in It was only after the fact that I got really curious about what was going on and I looked into it and I was like, oh, this person's into BDSM. And then I just like ran with it and you can see where I am now. This was years ago. And I was on this show yesterday and the person was asking questions of, you know, and she also has a podcast that has to do about sexuality and spiritual growth and plant medicine and all this stuff. And I was talking about it so innocently and I think that that is confronting for some people yep. where it's just like, I, me as a woman, I say these things that I've, I have consented to, I've allowed, I've been like dripping wet for, yep. and they're like, can't like tell me how that goes. And anyway, yep. um, all that to really say, like you have experienced a lot over the last 20 years, I'm sure, you know, and you're going in and wanting to do this man, woman thing better and doing this so that your own personal relationship has um, flourished and grown. And it seems as though over time, right, you've been working with people outside of your partnership too. And I'm curious how like that wound up happening and some of the variety of things that you've seen over the years.
1: Well, you know, it was actually very integral. It wasn't even a segue. This, is, this has happened to me. This is, my woman has done this. Many other men's women have done this, which is when uh, I was curious about trying something and I was like, hey, you want to try this? Her response was, you go check it out. You go, you go check it out first and you tell me how it is. <laughs> and she was great about it in a way because her invitation was a clean invitation. It, because sometimes people make unclean invitations, especially when it comes to sensuality. Her her was like, no, no, really, I am grateful that you want to go out there and check this out first, bring it home to me, let me try it in the safety of my own home. If I like it, we will have more of it and we will incorporate it in, in our life. But you go and you, you try this and that and that and that and have fun. So it was almost right from the beginning right this permission to go explore so i i had i could fulfill my curiosity i could build my mastery and it really never was kind of a dichotomy between the inside and the outside if anything it kind of looped back and it's still the same structure is still functioning and many of my clients they work the same way and i think it's great and even even when they are exploring together it's great if they can explore separately even it's great if we, even if a couple wants to come into this, it's great if the woman can go into the submissive woman class, get her journey. The man can come into the dominant man class and then the two of them can come into a class in BDSM and learn together because they, we are separate, We are sovereign beings. I think one of this is one of the things I mentioned in my book is you really want to improve your relating and your sensuality. Take the we out of your sex life. There is no such thing as our sex life. Really, I think it is a very detrimental concept. We are, doing no, you're not doing it together. You are one human being with your history and your template and your body and your hormones. And your partner is another being with a different template. Really honor your individuality, honor your history, honor your makeup. You have your own journeys to make. Your eros is is a crucial part of your soul. Do you not want to have your own evolution? with your own erotic makeup. You are an erotic being. So what is this thing like, we are completely merged together in our erotic exploration or evolution. You actually are not. It's kind of a crutch people use. right? Because it's terrifying, terrifying to some people to say, no, this is my journey. I am an erotic being and I need expression and this part of my soul needs expression and this is going to be my own adventure. And of course, we hopefully we will meet and intersect and we can, uh, share with each other as we do in other areas. So I think it's actually healthy for people to claim their own separate tracks in this investigation.
0: Agreed. And I love that you said that because there are so many people that that's going to hit for when they hear that, like, Oh, yeah. I need to take responsibility for my own arrow. So my own erotic being and my own right. template and like my, my past and my makeup, you know, I think yeah. a lot of people think that when they when they get into partnership, then the work is done. They've won. You know, this is it.
1: Right. And for no, a lot of obviously women, not. judging by the divorce rates and the separation rate and the misery rate and the relationship realm, for there.
0: real. And I mean, I know I grew up in Deep South Louisiana and I understood don't have sex. Like that was it. Just don't do it. And then if I were to do it, then I was ultimately damaged good. So I might as well just do whatever the hell I wanted after that. But I still was trying to battle with this back and forth of be a good girl and be the person that like my partner needed me to be and let my body just be used for his pleasure. And that was the message that I got. And, and, and never was there any message that my pleasure, and my body was purely for my joy and my right. expression and my experience. Right. And, and like this idea that one day I will be chosen. And then when I am chosen, then I am to do he is to do what he wants with me. And that was also the message that I was always going to be a man, that he is to do what he wishes with my body, me as his wife, because that's the goal is to be the wife. And and that's really that, you know? And I think my experience was totally not that. (laughs) And when I look back at a lot of the messages that I got, it's no wonder that I have certain kinks that I have and I play in a a particular way. Um, But I think like just going through my own personal life and having these different sexual experiences with men and eventually all around the world, because I traveled for so long, I learned over time that like, while I wanted maybe more and different, um, a lot of men were given a message. It seemed, I don't know if this is fully true. I think I've just pieced this together is that they were told that like, whatever they do is good enough. Like whatever sex they provide, like, this is just the sex I I do. And this is just the sex I have. And so it was kind of like a match in sex was like, you merge with the type of sex that he wants to have in. And that's kind of it. That's like the ceiling almost. I don't know if this is making much sense, but I realized over time that like, I just like kind of met him where he was and there was really no more growth in that regard
1: um i hear you i mean i hear you there i don't know whether in your case it may have been you felt you were just meeting the man wherever he was and in other cases i've seen the reverse happen but in either case yeah. it's not a happy story right where there isn't any imaginative undertaking and i felt like want to comment on your last thing because people mm-hmm. who practice bdsm are going to hear something you're like well they just taught me i was there for my man's use and i'm like you know what If you really are not in a collapsed state, it can be wonderful to be used by your partner. But again, they're two separate phenomenons. One is a collapsed state, which is like, you're not a sovereign sexual being. You have no idea what you want. You don't know what you're getting off on. You're not really creating anything. So you're basically passive, and passivity is death. You're passive in your sexual life. And if you come out on the other end of it, and if you become fully erotically realized, you may realize you have tremendous pleasure in being used. Yes. A tremendous pleasure in being handing over to your partner and letting him do whatever the hell he wants with you within your framework of consent, within your safe words, within your. So this is why Eros is complicated. This is mm-hmm. why there is never one straight answer. Thank, right. Thank this is what this is. Why, this <laughs> is why it's so problematic where people project their trauma onto other people. Mm-hmm. So if a, if a woman who has never had any sexual actualization, who, who, who let's say spent 40 years in that modality, that sex means whatever your husband wants. And it's not even about your pleasure, right? Let's say she grew up in that and now she's fed up. She feels used. She doesn't feel well handled. She feels her system contracted because every time her husband reaches for her, she doesn't feel good. And she's doing it out of duty. And then she hears somebody who practices BDSM who says, I love being used. I love my Dom, just telling me what to do and doing whatever the hell he wants with my body, right? So the two, two people, they look, they sound like they're having the same conversation or they, they sound like they're having the conversation about the same phenomenon, but they aren't. They really aren't. And this is why trying to mediate a debate between those two people is just idiotic. They, they're like, and Eros is like that. Eros is that paradoxical. Everything that can be done badly can be done well. Everything that can be you know, a nightmare to one person is a get off to another person. And if you don't make complete room for it, you will get lost in this particular maze. So I just wanted to toss that out just to make things even more complicated. Thank if, you. If, if we only had things that were always good and things that were always bad, we wouldn't need a podcast, we wouldn't need therapists, we wouldn't need any investigation, life would be much simpler, but that's not the case.
0: <laughs> no, I love, as, I love life this way. I love think it's much
1: more interesting. It's much more challenging. There's much more an opportunity for mastery in this area. But as far as the other one about, you know, simply settling for the mediocre or settling for the obvious or settling for this is the way we do it. And this is the way we've always done it. I know men can get sucked into doing things by routine. A lot of men are getting their education from pornography, which is quite bad, horrible way to get your education. A very specific template for what good sex is. They think, get it up, get it hard, pound away, oh success, (laughs) right? Because that's what women want. And even if you do that, I mean, there are time again. There are times when that is exactly what's needed, and there are times when that is uh, completely off the mark. And certainly, it's a very limiting format for sensual expression. So I think we are kind of, you know, I think after we are done with the taboos and the charge, I think what we are actually suffering from is an appalling dearth of imagination and creativity in this field. Human beings are so amazingly creative about the smallest things they do. They have a million ways of making a muffin in the morning, but in their essential lives, it's like they seem not to know there are more options available.
0: Yeah, and well, I find a big piece of my purpose in life to help people discover the board, yeah. And a lot of times they are curious about, uh, could be a variety of different things. They, I, It's often the, I want more have no clue what the more is. And so I like to lay out what is the more possibilities, all the ones that I know of anyway, and then see which ones light the fire or like spark yeah. in their eyes. And I go, okay, well, let's lean into that. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I, I only go so far. I feel like I'm, I'm the one that I've got, I've got all the little tastes and then if they want to go a little bit deeper, then usually I send them in your direction.
1: (laughs) You know, believe it or not, even uh, when I teach, when I teach with Lori, the class you have taken with us, our approach is the same. We, We are actually offering people a sampling of different things that are possible in different realms.
0: Yeah, it's incredible In because you line, offer a yeah. sample of something that's also on my sample, which yeah. shows you just how much is really just how much there
1: is. And it's it's yeah. really beautiful. It's wonderful to see that. But we also say this over and over. We have no desire to add any desire to you. Right. We're not trying to add any specific desire to you. We are giving you an exploration of what's possible and we're giving you some choices that you can try out within the format of a course, within the format of an exercise. And you see what resonates with your system and uh, do more of that. We don't really care. We don't care what you get off on.
0: I love it. I love it so much that I have taken your Tantra Meets BDSM course twice with my partner. And Jordan has taken the Creating the Dominant Man program with you. We are big fans. And we have brought a lot of our friends like the amount of times we refer to, remember the Tantra BDSM thing, the Tantra BDSM, that, that, and the other, which by the way, I did say those two words together, Tantra and BDSM. So for those of you, some of you might be introduced. You've heard me talk about Lori Handlers. Um, she's also a guest on the show on a different episode. And um, she's my go-to lady when I want to talk about Tantra. And her and Om have a workshop or a class called Tantra Meets BDSM. And Jordan and I took the the class in person twice in, in Austin. And then one time Om came and did the Creating the Dominant Man um, exercise. And Jordan went for a weekend and was doing that. One of my favorite things that came from that time, I think it, it was either the first or the second time that you know I had totally different experiences going through it a second time versus the first time. And I had a lot of shit to look at within myself. And there was a lot of things that I thought that I had figured out and just going through it one time. I was like, Whoa, there's a lot in my face right now. And then the second time I realized I was way more relaxed. I was way more fluid. I was way more open. And you said something that really stuck. And I say it all the time. And me, my friends, we quote y'all all the time too, but I, it was submissive doesn't mean passive. And I realized how many times, yes, I realized how many times I was trading submissive with passive and I was, you know, crossing my arms across my chest and going, I just want to be submissive. And I've been totally sitting in the corner pouting.
1: Yeah, that is yeah, absolutely disastrous. Passivity is, passivity is death. Don't be passive in any area of your life. Don't be passive even when you're dying for Christ's sakes. If right. you're a, if you're at the, if you're death's door, make, make a resolution to be active in your death. Yeah. That's yes. what the great masters have taught us: die before you die. Take charge even there. Certainly in your sex life, in your professional life, in your friendship, in your money making, there's there's no room for passivity.
0: Yes. The other thing and that you said that I just like bam in my face was make him right.
1: Yeah. Make those two
0: write. things couple those two things together and. Yeah. Jordan and I, things are transformed.
1: Make him right. Make your dom right and see what happens. Find the right guy and then make him right. You'll yeah. be able to become better and better and better. Exactly. This is, you know, this is a nickel's worth of, this is like a, this is a golden nickel's worth of advice for you, for all of your listeners. Stop for you, all you women who are straight women with your men. Men don't respond to negative reinforcement. Cut it out. Drop it. The only reason you can't drop your negative reinforcement is your ego. It's the feminine ego. If you had one ounce of sense, if you actually were operating with any level of intelligence inside your feminine little heads, and you were actually observing your men and seeing what works with men and what doesn't, you would have figured out since you were five years old, negative reinforcement doesn't seem to work with the masculine. It just doesn't, it just doesn't. You take that stick and break it. And go get yourself a bushel of carrots. Find your man right. I'm not saying find, find him right in everything. I'm not saying blow sunshine up his ass. Find him right where you do find him right and then find him right there and you will get more of it. Mm-hmm. And you will expand that part. I don't know who that's took cool. you aside in kindergarten and told you to cut men's balls off and that's yeah. the way of getting happiness out of men. Has it worked so far? Really? Has it paid off? Has it created rainbows and sunshine in your relationships? Stop using negative reinforcement. Stop pouting. Stop blackmailing. Stop all the nonsense you do, active and passive. Drop your anger like you actually want your man to be afraid of you. You really want your man to be afraid of you? And drop your anger. That's all it's doing. It's creating a bracing response in his system. Find your man right. See what happens. Of course, all the feminists will show up with their pitchforks, trying to kill you if you do that. But it's time for that change anyway.
0: I was just say, fuck them.
1: It's <laughs> like get yours. You know, you've given that ideology a really great try for decades. If all you women were just beaming with happiness right now, I would say, wow, I think they figured something out. But the state of women right now sucks. The state of women right now categorically sucks. You women are miserable right now. Your relationships are failing across the board. You are popping pills that is keeping big pharma in business. You are the ones. Anti-anxiety medication, sleep medication, pills to wake up, pills to go to sleep, pills to function through the day. Your relationships aren't crap. You're not sexually satisfied and you're still waving the same banner, and I'm like, I don't know. This is not very intelligent. And what is keeping you from putting it down and trying something else? I think it's just pride. I think it's just pr- It's like saying, wow, we gave this one a good try. Hmm. Look at us here. We are better educated than ever. We have more money than ever. We have more sexual freedom than ever. We can fuck as many men as we want without repercussions. Why aren't we happy? I wonder what's going on, I don't know. Try a different attitude towards the masculine, see what happens, and forgive your father. Here's, there's another golden nickel for you, that's two golden nickels. Forgive your father before you leave the house next time, before you, before you start any relationships, deal with your father. Nothing else is gonna work without that, absolutely nothing. Your lovers, your men, your husbands will keep paying the price. Or your father won't. Don't you just love having me on?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Om Rapani? <laughs> yeah, I love inconvenient truths.
1: People, you know, men ask me, there's a, there's a kind of a nasty crass term, not that I'm against crass terms. but there's this idea of shit testing people. Men are always like, well, these are all the way women are shit testing men. And then sometimes men come around to me and says, Om, do you have any good shit tests for women? And that expression always makes me cringe. But I actually thought about it one time and I actually came up with an answer. Like, yeah, I actually do have a shit test for women. On your first date, on your earliest date, ask her about her father.
0: Hmm.
1: Ask her about her father and pay close attention to her face and listen to the words she used. If a woman says something like, I love my father, I adore my father. My father is a salt of the earth. My father is a good guy. You hear anything to that end? Golden. Said woman on a second date right away, if you get that, if you get that niche like I fucking love my father, he's a great guy, I adore that man, he's a good guy, the woman says that oh, he's a good guy, my dad's a good guy, you're golden, you're solid you know I don't build know with very... that woman, go forward, that's I... like to me that's like a very big, big green light
0: right, and what about the rest of us?
1: What about the rest of us is uh know that whatever is unresolved here is going to end up in your relationship and act accordingly Mm -hmm. right be aware of it and the more blind she is to that fact the more blind she is to how important that part of her life and psyche is Mm -hmm. if she's completely ignoring it uh you're gonna pay for it in your relationship there's no there's just no way around it
0: for sure Um, Jordan and I work with a coach. Her name is Annie Lala. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. We just love just about anything that she says. It just gets in there. It's just like so perfect. And um, we have, I think in my friend group, there's four of the couples that are all working with her and none of us had uh, outward relationship issues we went because we want to keep digging and we want to keep this train moving forward. We want to keep, you know, what's the next thing, the next layer deeper. Um, I, I would say none of us are afraid to, to, to lean into it's always darkest before dawn kind of thing. Yep. And, um, there's one of the couples was talking about their conversations with Annie and this base, the basic idea of the best thing that you can do for your relationship is, heal your relationship with your parents. So it's like the best thing that you can do for your partner is heal their. And the best thing that you can do for your partner is to support them in healing their relationship with their parents. And I know that for sure um, Jordan and I being in relationship, my father exited scene when I was three. So it's hard. Like even thinking about what you were saying is like salt of the earth, all these things. I'm like, there's going to be no way Mm -hmm. that I get to that, but I do speak very neutrally and I do speak of like going in and healing. And I know that it's not linear and I know that healing makes it sound like there's going to be an end at some point because there isn't, but the way that we interact around it and the way that we process around it and just the progress, he's always like, what can I do to support you in moving this thing forward? Because ultimately I get to be the woman that I really, truly deep down know that I want to be when I go there. And even when I bringing it back around to some of the DS stuff that we were talking about, when I put pen to paper and I write out the woman who I know that I am deep down inside, and I look at my actions and I look where some of those actions are coming from. And I look at when is my nervous system lit the fuck up and not in a good way. And when, where is that coming from in this fighting energy and this kind of um, this, this is another thing that I got from Annie Lala that I differentiated between being angry and angering. And at times I can be angry and sit with a festering like thing that is upsetting to me. Or there are times where all of a sudden I'm angering and I'm rah, 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 grumble, grumble. And my um, energy and my system is moving uh, aggressively. I'd say like out of my body and onto everything around me, especially my partner, because he's usually the one that's right in front of me. And he has more of like emerging take it in. I just want to be good. I just want to hold it. Let's, how do we settle you down? So it's a very interesting dynamic where it's like he experiences anger and rage more or less like through me. And I experience calm, peace, and like good little boy through him. Right. <laughs> and so, of course, we have partnered with each other because we are each other's medicine um, and mirrors. And I wouldn't have it any other fucking way. So. Anyway, this is so much truth. And to go into relationship dynamics like this, when the conversation is an interview with a dom, that's just to show all of you that are listening, like this conversation is really deep, like really, really deep. It's way beyond here's a flogger, here's a cane, here's a butt plug, here's a, you know, some rope. It's way beyond the surface level, you know, novelty section in a sex shop. Yeah, it
1: isn't about just uh, sensation tools, those are part of it, but certainly the psychological part is a very big part of it. You know, a little girl daddy downplay is a very big category of DS exploration, because usually when you go into these spaces, there is a certain degree of regression that happens in the psyche, and the child archetypes comes forward. Those issues exactly that you're not dealing with often show up in subspace. Absolutely. All the unresolved issues show up in subspace. There's a lot of love in it too, which is many people who haven't done BDSM don't really understand just how much tenderness there is. They they not they don't understand from the outside when people who do BDSM talk about things like devotion. But that's only because you don't know anything about it yet. If you go coming on the inside, you realize this is a very, uh, very vulnerable, very receptive space to go into and to trust somebody to take you into, and it's really beautiful. And when you do go there. All that is unresolved is uh, available and it shows up. It shows up to be dealt with and it shows up as a raw material for erotic get off, all of it.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And I, yes, I have experienced that firsthand several times over. Some of the most powerful experiences I've had were instances where I would, I found myself in a little girl kind of role and I was being taken care of. It's very interesting. like one time put into mm-hmm. oh kitty oh.
1: have a noisy cat please excuse me.
0: you know put into put into a bathtub and washed and dried and hairbrushed and I was very confused by the whole thing that was going on and I realized like the sweetness that was happening inside of me was just like so I remember having this you know outer kind of self-awareness while I was in the experience like how is this I am I wouldn't even say turned on through it, but like, it just felt so special and so healing. And of course sex happened after that. It wasn't like sex was happening while I was embodying my inner six year old, you know? So like I said, much deeper can be beautiful, very tender, a lot of love. And I think there's a thing too that people might have this judgment of, you know, it's people who aren't in partnership with each other because there's a lot of people you could go to like a kinky club or whatever. And people think that you have to have this like really long relationship in order to have real, true trust and to really be able to take someone on a journey. That was another thing that I got from one of your um, workshops where it was like it's less about power and more about. The Dom is agreeing to take the sub on a journey that the sub has consented to. I yeah. can't remember if that was the exact quote, but that is what I have been saying. The thing,
1: yeah, that. Is, I mean, exactly the latter part that this is about creating a journey for the submissive and the transfer of control and power is a necessarily, necessary ingredient for yeah. that. It isn't the heart of the play. This is, again, looking from the outside in looking from a political perspective on DS Play, people think it's all about control, it's all about power. It is about control and power, but only as a means to an end, because you need somebody else to take you on a ride. And the only way they can take you on a ride is if you hand over the reins, because you can't take yourself there. So the transfer of power and control is crucial to this play, but it is simply the structure of the ride. It is really not unlike agreeing, standing in line for an hour to get on a roller coaster, agreeing to get strapped in. Once you're strapped in, you can't get out because you need that for this ride to happen. You can't get let yourself out of the harness in the middle of it. You would kill yourself. This is the way this ride is set up. Saying, well, okay, I'm giving up control of my body during this ride. Well, you are because that's what this ride requires. You don't have to go on the ride and the ride ends. And in a DS play, you're not even strapped in the whole time. You can call red and exit your scene at any point. But when people who get too hung up on like, this is all about power and transfer of power and transfer of control. They, they again, it's, a, it's the political mind looking from the outside in because all it understands is non-consensual power. It doesn't really have any concept of why we do consensual power exchanges. We do consensual power exchanges because it makes possible journeys that we can't have otherwise. There are places only somebody else can take you that you can't take yourself
0: well, I will play I will pay the price of admission, yeah, over and over and over again, right. Yeah. Life is definitely way more fun on this roller coaster. Um, this conversation was dynamic. It was truth-filled. It was everything that but- I was hoping it would be and so much more. Thank you for this thank conversation. You. And thank you for the work that you do. I mentioned this a couple of times through our conversation, um, you know, the the programs that Jordan and I have been a part of, and you've got now a couple more. There's one in particular that I have not taken that I have not been a part of yet. That is about uh, the submissive woman. Yeah. And there were times where I'm like, I'd hear them like, yeah, but I, I know how to be submissive. I've been submissive before, but it's like a totally different level. You say the word devotion. And I'm just like, Oh, I want to learn deeper aspects of my ability to be devoted to my partner and I'm sure that there's so much more. So I would love... Well, first off, I'll just mention to everyone who's listening, get on Ohm's mailing list. If you thought this conversation was juicy, I know some of you will probably hear some parts and be like totally turned off by it. And But the vast majority of you will be listening to Ohm and be thinking, "I this is exactly what I need. This is exactly the next level of growth that I, I want to start playing with. And my recommendation to you my strong recommendation to you is that if you are curious about this kind of stuff, get a mentor, start definitely, doing, yeah. do the work you don't, don't have to do it alone. And I don't recommend you do it alone. And oh, it's way more, maybe, yeah. way more fun yeah, with people. Definitely. So um, I have personally wanted to learn more in this area and I've turned to Om. So, um. So definitely get on his email list. That way you can be kept in the loop with when he's doing what workshops and when and where right now they're happening virtually, but I imagine that at some point in the future, they will be happening in person again.
1: We're planning already. So. Lori and I are planning uh, Amsterdam classes for next fall. I'm pretty sure Great. you'll be able to keep those dates.
0: So good. So if there's any like a couple of little things that you would like to share about some of your, um, some of your programs. I would love to take this last little bit, like where people can find you. Of course, Uh, you
1: can go to my website, omrupani.org, O M R U P A N I.org. All the information is there. You can sign up for the mailing list there and all the upcoming classes are listed there. And if you have any questions, write to me, happy to talk to you and answer your questions. You can find me on Facebook or you can You can send me an email through my website, whatever works for you.
0: Yes. Or feel free to reach out to me and we will make that connect for you. My team and I will be happy to get y'all into connection with OM or OM and uh, Lori, whenever they do the Tantra BDSM workshops. And any time you go to sign up for any of their programs or workshops, it's worth giving it a try. Use that sex chick, all one word in the coupon section, because it might, give you a surprise. Um, Sometimes it gives a hundred dollars off. Sometimes it gives a percentage off, but I've worked with Om and Lori as well for a number of years now. And so just try it out. If you're interested in any of their workshops in the future, just write that sex chick in the coupon code and it'll probably give you a little gift.
1: Yeah. And if you want more conversations, if you want to just hear more about it, I have a YouTube channel. I post all the videos there just under my own name, Om Rupani. So you can, Free material, free conversations, free immersion, just so you can get more of a feel for what this realm is without having to commit to a course.
0: Yes, I love that. So good. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure. You. This Thanks was for having delicious. me. delicious. Yes. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.